0: Guys, good morning. This is gonna be a live stream on YouTube and uh, I'm also recording the video on Anchor. So I've, uh, I've been podcasting, I, I started a podcast a little while ago and put out a couple of episodes. Um, I think it's gonna be evolving. I think it's important to be having live discussions. I want everybody to be able to hear from me. I appreciate those that have given me good feedback, but rather than this being a really scripted podcast, like a lot of the ones um, that you might hear, I actually want this to be more of an open dialogue um, discussion. There's gonna be some updates about what's going on in my business, and I wanna talk about, so just for a little bit of background, of course, I'm, I'm in business in the North Bay, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I have some exposure down in San Francisco with another division, some business partners down there that are doing great things, and I'm excited about that. But I wanna talk about the state of our economy and what's going on with COVID and what that means for brick and mortar business. Um, Frankly, right now, there's a lot of businesses and a lot of customers that are just, there's uncertainty and uncertainty is scary. Uncertainty um, makes it where You have a hard time making business decisions. And I think all of us are going to have to come to the realization that uncertainty is a new normal. It always has been, right? I I think back to uh, when I entered the business world, which was a little bit later than my peers because I spent some time in the military. But when I entered the business world, it was 2005, and we were just coming out of this housing bubble. I remember so many people, talking about how amazing their house prices were and telling me I ought to buy just the cheapest house I can afford because it's going to double in price in a year. and Just to get in, get in however I can. And that was the advice from realtors and friends and everybody. Probably well-meaning. Um, and, of course, we all know the story. In 2007, things started to fall apart. Um, by 2009, the economy was a mess. The housing market was a mess. Everything was a mess, and I actually survived. Uh, you know, during that time, my dad was mentoring me to take over the family business, and I bought into this company, Scott Technology Group, back in 2011, uh, which was actually the the lowest point of our history. Um, we we had a delayed reaction as some of our customers dropped off, and you know we survived it. It was tough. It was not easy, but uh, we made it through. And so there was a lot of uncertainty there. during that time my dad and i talked and we decided geez we don't want to go through this again let's make sure our business is strong stable that we're diversified and that the next time the economy takes a dive like this we're ready to weather it a little bit better than we were back then and so since 2011 we've been trying to grow Uh, we worked on growing this company here we started a branch in Sacramento with the partnership of, of some excellent guys over there. Um, and we, but unfortunately, we were underfunded and just didn't account for how much capital it took to start from scratch. And so we ended up selling that uh, after three years. Um, and then I started Scott Pure Water, which was a, a similar business, and hoping that the profits from that company would benefit this company and the customers from this company would benefit that company and there was a lot of synergy there and unfortunately with the um, the, the way things are looking this year i i made the decision to go ahead and uh sell Scopier water back to the manufacturer actually quench is the they're the ones that purchased scott pure water they own pure water technology and so there's a lot of consolidation in that business as well and ultimately that was a wise decision i think for scott technology group it's going to allow us to focus on our core competency Um, it put some capital back into this company and so you know it helped us become more financially stable but the efforts that i had been the steps that i had been taking since 2011 to really grow and become more more um, not, I wouldn't say more stable, but str- bigger, bigger and stronger and having more economic buying power, it just really didn't uh, materialize. And so now we're back into a, an economy of uncertainty. Customers are uncertain, employees are uncertain, business owners are uncertain. And it's kind of a scary time. Um, I'm talking to people who are, they kind of share, you know, I, I was sharing with a friend of mine how when the first COVID shutdown happened, I've, I felt like I was struggling with some depression. And he goes, man, everybody was, you know, you and me both. Um, of course, that's that's come and gone now. And I'm actually very optimistic about our future. And we'll talk about why here in a minute. But we all still, many of us still have the pounds from the anxiety eating to show for it, and it's gonna be the quarantine pounds. Those, those, well, they're not here to stay. I've got a gym appointment here this afternoon. We're gonna start working those off. So it's uncertain. Um, California, right now, we see growing numbers of COVID cases. My wife told me that yesterday was a um, a record day for um, for COVID in in Sonoma County. Uh, Florida, we see. Hang on a sec. I'm gonna text a buddy of mine because I want to get him on the phone. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna interview a friend of mine. I'm gonna we're gonna do this live. This will be fun. So um, I just want to finish setting it up and then I'm gonna send him a Zoom invite. But with COVID happening and shelters in place continuing to come, and um, you know nobody really knows what business is going to look like. I, I, I understand right now, uh, you know, a lot of restaurants are having to close back down, except for outdoor dining. It's a heartbreak. There's a lot of entertainment industry type businesses that are not able to operate right now, which is a heartbreak. Um, I have a customer who is in the in the luxury transportation business, and they're just getting very little business. I have a customer who's, they're a a summer camp and they have, you know, ropes courses and zipline tours and they're not able to have people out there. So the impact on the economy from these shutdowns is huge and I'm not sure that we fully understand what it's going to be yet. And we certainly want to slow the spread of COVID, but um, what does that mean for you and for your business? So we're, we're traditionally a brick and mortar business. People don't buy the kind of printers that we sell online because those printers are They need somebody. For one thing, you need somebody who really knows what they're looking for to to sort of put put all the accessories and components together and educate you on what's available. And then you really want that thing to be set up and tested before it gets delivered to your office. You don't want a bunch of pallets of equipment coming in and have to go through the setup process. It's not easy like a little desktop printer. I'm talking about big, you know, copier, printer, multifunction devices. And so companies like mine need to exist for that level of customer service. But then when something like this happens or last year we had some um, uh, fires that caused evacuations. He might not be available. Maybe let's try to schedule for tomorrow. Anyway, we had some evacuations, and that really causes problems with brick and mortar. Um, You know, you can't have people coming to work. I remember when I was an electrician down in San Diego, we had the fires down in... I'm trying to remember where it was. It was during the El Nino season. The wind would, I mean, the wind was not, down in San Diego, I'm sorry, not El Nino. What would they call it? The Santa Ana winds or whatever. Um, There's different names for them, but these winds just, they're they're nuts. And they, they would whip across the Southern California and just aggravate the fires. And that's what we had actually 2017. We had some huge fires that burned our area. Uh, The Tubbs Fire, the Nuns Fire over in Napa. Um, I think last year was the Kincaid Fire, which burned a bunch of areas. We had the fire up in Chico two years ago, uh, Paradise Fire. I think that one was called the Campfire. And these fires are becoming more and more of a thing in California due to drought, due to uh, regulations against deforestation. It's not even deforestation. They're trying to clean out underbrush and stuff. So they want to be able to do backfires, but I believe there's uh, environmental policies in place that prevent them from being able to cut down trees or clear out underbrush and so it's creating a tinderbox in California so uh, what I was gonna say is I remember being an electrician down in Southern California and this was probably 2003 or four these fires happened and the smoke was so thick that they actually canceled work they're like I'm sorry guys it's it's uh, it's dangerous we can't have you outside working And the fires that it causes that up here, we might have, I I remember during the campfire up in Chico, um, but 200 miles away from here, or the paradise paradise fire 200 miles away from my office. And the smoke was just toxic. It's it's just the entire environment is brown. And you can't see, you know, more than a couple hundred yards. Um, It's it's horrible. And so you're wearing the masks like we are now and uh, in 95 masks, and you're trying not to go outside how do you operate a brick-and-mortar business in that environment you know even if it's an evacuation and then people are allowed back in let's say it's a week that downtime creates problems for business so it's got me thinking about being an entrepreneur being a business owner the internet while we we, you may love it or you may hate it it becomes a necessary component even for businesses that are traditionally brick-and-mortar it becomes an insurance policy because if your customers are focused on this geography, and something happens like what we're talking about, what happens to your business? If your customer base is national, if your customer base is global, you have a lot more insurance, you have a lot more diversification, you have a lot more options, and uh, it's it's got me. Then the other piece of that is not not just being evacuated or the customers, but what about employees? What about when unemployment? Um, gets really low, which is what we had recently uh, before all of this. Unemployment is very low, it's difficult to find employees. And then now unemployment is very high, uh, but a lot of people are unemployed and they're not necessarily wanting to come back to work yet due to underlying health conditions, due to um, fear. Maybe they're just, they're making enough money on unemployment and they're kind of waiting to see what happens with the economy. So when your business relies on having employees, that can be a liability as well. And now I'm not advocating for, you know, getting rid of all the employees. But what I'm saying is there, there there comes a point where you start to think about, well, what business model offers the greatest amount of opportunity with the lowest amount of risk? And that's really what I want to start talking about. What kind of entrepreneurial business models offer great opportunity, minimal risk? and I define risk differently these days. To me, risk is not having to have a brick and mortar business, like an office, and you can have it. I enjoy coming to my office, but I want to be able to work from anywhere. If I get evacuated, I want to be able to grab my laptop and go and know that I have access to to my full set of tools, all my documents, all my systems. If I can't hire employees, I want to know that my business can still run, whether that's through um, automation, or you know freelancers or whatever it is. So I, I think that's really important. Uh, if I lose a, you, know, if a geography or an area, or let's say California taxes or California regulations make it where I can't do business here anymore, I want to know that my business is portable because I'm not relying on this geography for all of my income. I could up and move because now my business, my customer base is national, or my customer base is global and decentralized. I think that's huge. So this podcast is really going to start to focus on uh, low risk, and when I say risk, I don't talk about money. I'm a risk taker, guys. If you look, my my wife can attest to this. I've I've gotten you know into the options trading world. I've dabbled with futures trading. Uh, I've uh, I've played with all kinds of different types of investing. Right now, my biggest investment, I'm ashamed to say, I'm not ashamed to say, but kind of, is in cryptocurrency. And it's only my biggest because it's been the the highest performing. I've I put a very small amount of money into crypto and it's doing very, very well. And so I'm going to let that bull run. You know, there's, um, there's a saying, feed the horse that pulls the wagon <laughs> and uh, crypto is pulling ahead of everything else right now. So I'm going to let it go. Um, I don't want to rebalance the portfolio if that's the one that's performing, you know, you don't want to like pull those profits away too soon. I want to kind of, you let the, you let the winners run. So that's what we're doing right now. But so when it comes to financial risk, I am willing to put my money where my mouth is. I, I take financial risk. I've done it a number of times. In fact, that's probably a flaw of mine that I'm too quick to jump into something. Um, for instance, you know, starting the two businesses I mentioned pre- previously undercapitalized and I learned a lot from it. But when I talk about risk now, I'm talking about operational risk. I'm talking about business model risk. I'm talking about regulatory, like, um, you know, what, what about risk to profit margins? You start a business and you're counting on a thin profit margin, maybe a 10% net profit, 15% net profit and then all of a sudden your tax environment changes. Minimum wage goes up to 15%. Uh, There are some small things that suddenly just chop your margin down to nothing. It could be a little bit of creep in cost of goods. It could be too much overhead too soon. These these are the things that really bit me with uh, Scott Pierwater is I just had too much overhead before my business really took off and I never achieved the kind of margin that was possible. You know it's poor business management but at the end of the day um, looking back I wish I had really looked at what kind of limitations uh, I had created for myself you know and and so that's what we're talking about geographic limitations employees all those things one of the biggest challenges really was employees and being able to find people that were gonna be solid salespeople for that business so Um. I, I, I have a friend and I mentioned him earlier in the podcast. We're gonna set up a, a interview with him. He is actually in a traditional business and I'll let him talk about what that is but he's making the transition to being a streamer And so he's live streaming on Twitch. He and I, he and I started doing this I, you know I do it as a hobby um, but for him he's actually started to make some money at it. He's not he, he's, he's not making you know it's, it's definitely not going to replace his income at least not yet but it has the potential to and that's what's exciting and when i and when he and i started to look at some of the people that are doing this successfully how they're doing it what the business model looks like it's staggering these are people that make a an exorbitant amount of money so so they've crossed the line from just being you know video gamers to being entertainers imagine being able to watch your favorite celebrity on live stream play your favorite video game. I mean, that's what this becomes. And so people are basically paying him and people like him money. They're subscribing to their Twitch streams. They're donating money. They're donating subscriptions. uh, And there's other opportunities there. And these content creators make a living just playing video games full time. And it sounds crazy if you are probably older than 30, you know, maybe I'm 39. And my awareness of this whole business model just started, probably a couple of years ago. I wasn't even aware of Twitch, I don't think, until probably 2015, 2016, and even then, didn't really consider it as a, as an entrepreneurial career option until I started to research how much money is actually in it. And it's not just the outliers. There are, I mean, obviously you have to work hard at it, but there are guys that, you know, middle of the road guys that are making far more than the average. average person in America. So that's a business model. Uh, there's, a, there's a gentleman that I know that I want to interview. He, he does a, radio, a live radio show in Sacramento, business radio, but his business model is fascinating. And he started to share that with me and uh, just you know buys airtime from a local AM radio station, interviews local businesses, um, gets sponsorships. I'd love to, I'd love to get him on the show and just understand a little bit more about his business model. Um, there, there are other people that are doing a lot of things that you know freelancers and uh, marketers social media marketers that we can talk about but at the end of the day when the world is changing and evolving and business is uncertain and people are getting moved around and, and uh, shut down and quarantined, it really becomes imperative that we have a community, that we understand what it means to make content, that we understand what it means to sell our goods and services online, because those are gonna be the types of business models that thrive. If you look at who is doing well during this last quarter, uh, during the, the, you know, I would say March, I think we started our quarantine in mid-March and the shelter's in place. We're now today is July thirteenth. There's a lot of states that are reopening. California is still in sort of this semi-shelter-in-place. Uh, it's not really a shelter-in-place, but there's regulations. And the companies that are doing well are the ones that are able to deliver digitally. Whether it's entertainment, I mean, entertainment is huge right now. People are watching more Netflix and Disney Plus and Twitch streamers than ever before. Those companies are thriving. The Companies that sell digitally, companies that deliver, where you don't have to actually go to the grocery store, but you can order your groceries and have them delivered to your house. You can order food and have it delivered to your house. These are the kind of companies that have a business model that can survive. We'll call it a global pandemic or disaster. How can your business make that transition? It doesn't mean canning your business and going to something different. It just means transforming. It means reimagining how we work with our customers, thinking about what our customers want, what that experience is, and then making that shift. So that's really going to be the focus of this podcast. Uh, I'm going to keep this one short, but we're going to be working on having people to interview and just talking about, um, I I could almost coin the phrase entrepreneur 3.0. Because now we've gone from having the brick and mortar to the internet business to now this this whole you know maybe it is 2.0 but this whole freelancer um, freelance entrepreneur type business where everybody needs to be having a side hustle at a minimum if not their own freelance digital business. So, guys, I appreciate anyone who is interested in this. Please subscribe to the podcast. It's called the David Scott Podcast. You'll find it on most of your uh, podcasting sites and, or just tune in here to YouTube and you can watch me live. And the goal is to do this podcast on a, on a regular basis. I'll be publishing the uh, schedule shortly. Thank you so much.